about the Chicago Bears. I am one of your co-hosts, Lucas Perfetti. You can follow me at LucasPerfetti46. We are brought to you by the ONTAP Sports Network, and you can go ahead and follow them at ONTAP Sports Network for all of your Chicago sports tweets, needs, stuff like that. We're filtering all of our Chicago sports content through it. You can also follow Bears on Tap if you're just a Bears fan, for sure. Um, Go over to ontapsportsnet.com to check out all of our articles, podcasts, everything that you need content-wise. We got it for you in Chicago sports. The Chicago Bears decided to end their virtual offseason a little bit early, so we had this onslaught of interviews. We're going to be doing the second half of the player interviews. Next week, we'll get to those coaches' interviews. And then we have round two, or I'm sorry, round three of our Chicago Bears all-time fantasy football draft. Uh, We're filling out a 53-man roster, the three of us. First round was Hall of Famers, second rounders was all pros, and now we are on to the Pro Bowlers. So sit tight and enjoy the show. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut. Jerk. Dick kiss. (laughs) See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. So today I am joined again by... B-Don 300, Brandon Suarez, and that pod guy, Duke, Duke Coughlin. I am Lucas Perfetti. You can find me at Lucas Perfetti 46 Today we are going to be talking a lot of different pressers. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, we had the Piccolo Award winner, stuff like that. So we're going to be talking press conferences again, and then we are going to be doing the third round of our all-time Bears fantasy draft with Pro Bowlers. Any Pro Bowler that was elected to the Pro Bowl, in a Chicago Bears uniform is up for grabs, so we're going to be doing both of those. To start it off, how are you gentlemen doing? Well, I'm just uh, I'm really excited at the potential of drafting Robbie Gould. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, yeah. For all those of you that listened last week, Brandon doesn't know how to say anyone's name, and the guy kicked for 27 years for the Chicago Bears, and his catchphrase was good as gold, but for some reason just never drilled the point home for B-Don. B-Don, how you feeling, brother? Yeah, like I said, Philly's got dreams and nightmares, and we got ghouls and goblins. But I'm doing, <laughs> I, I'm doing great. Um, it was, you know, the pre- the pressers were interesting. They were interesting this week. Um, I definitely think we got some interesting sound bites, and I don't know. I don't know how like these are the people that are the ones asking questions, but there were a lot of duds out there too. So I can't wait to get to that, and then our draft as well too. A lot of a lot of interesting names out there on the board to be selected today. Yeah, for sure. And for um, 
for those of you out there, if you hear a little bit of like grumbling or growling or maybe a bark or two, we got a full house with all of our dogs in the frames as well, just because um, mine was poached up looking at leaves, just waiting for him to blow so she could start barking. So we tried to minimize that and we got them all in the room. So you might hear a little bit of that, but at the end of the day, dogs are better than people. So don't worry about it. Um, I want to start off with Mitchell Trubisky, right? He's the hot topic. We got Duke that just updated his weekly article. Duke, what's the title of that article? It's the QB competition one. Um, I, it's race to QB one. I believe it's Trubisky on the rise and Foles. Um, I don't remember the exact term that I use, but, uh, full or Foles endorsed. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> for those of you. Um, that haven't seen it yet, Duke is going to be updating us weekly or periodically about new things that happen within the um, within the quarterback competition. But I also put out an article called Mitchell Trubisky, the man in the arena, because in his press conference, I, I think it was very deliberate. And you guys tell me, but he had a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, the man in the arena, which this quote states. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong the man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that this place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Now, in my opinion, I think this was intentionally placed in his frame. He's got a nice little setup for a Zoom call. One side is Soldier Field, and it's a really awesome picture of Soldier Field. And on the other side is this man in the arena quote. And I think, essentially, it's a big fuck you to every critic because he's essentially saying, I'm the guy that gets the glory, and you guys are over there whacking your pud. Yeah, and dude, I, that's exactly how I took it, too. You know, you you have all these Twitter warriors. You have, like, NFL memes posting a new thing about them every freaking week. You have all these Chicago media members who, I mean, we'll get to at some point, are, you know, they're jackals. They're trying to get every little thing they can out of you. They want to see you crumble. You know, as much as they want to pretend they're your fan, they do not care about you. They care about a story. And I really think that's something that Mitchell had issues with early on in his career in Chicago. And it's something that's normal for every quarterback in Chicago. We saw it with Jay Cutler, regardless how you feel about him. We saw it with every single Bears quarterback we had before him. We, we, saw, it, we saw it everywhere. We see it with different positions. Anytime there's any sort of scrutiny for any player, it's elevated in this city. And I think Mitch is finally realizing he can't take what they're saying to heart. You know, they will, they'll hop on you when you're doing great. You know, Mitch was the talk of the town. He was going to White Sox games, chugging beers with Kyle Long. Everyone loved the guy. And I think he realized how quickly this city will turn on you when you struggle, especially at the quarterback position. And I love to see it. It tells me that Mitch is aware. He's fully understanding that um, all these people that are talking about him um, have never accomplished any of the things that Mitchell have, has done. And the ones who have accomplished things similar to what Mitchell has done in this city have given a fair perspective behind, like behind what's happened, like say an Olin Krutz or something like that, you know, people who actually have a real voice in this city. So it tells me, 
that Mitch has taken this next step in his maturity and that he's ready to finally take on, you know, it's, it's us against the world, you know, including, you know, bears against Chicago, even, you know, it's the only opinions that should matter to Mitch are the people that he's going to war with. And I think that's a big part of what that quote really drives, like drives home. Yeah. You hit on a couple of really good points there, but I want to hear from B Don first and then I'll, I'll circle back to it. Okay. Yeah, Maserati Mitch is back. Fuck it, Mitch is back. All of the above. I saw a confident, cool, and collected, and, you know, like you said, Lucas, perfectly productly placed uh, corner man in the arena, a little shot. And it wasn't the whole poster. He just put a little bit. It was kind of a teaser, but he also had his Bears. He had a nice Bears poster up to the right. But I just like the way he handled himself in that press conference. And it all comes down to one quote. This is a quote that I live my life by. And I, I you know, I suggest you guys do the same. We got to beat on a beat on a Yeah, we're coming at you early. <laughs> he said in this interview, he said, I'm going to go out there and control what I can control. And the rest will take care of itself. If you like that is literally all you need to say. You don't need to prove anything to the media. You don't need to prove anything to guys like us. All you have to do is go out and prove it to that 53-man roster, those people on that practice squad and in that organization, and the rest will take care of itself. We're not sitting here talking about Mitchell Trubisky if he goes out and does his job and does, you know, to the best of his ability. So he knows what he has to do. The work is cut out for him. He knows he has the ability to go do it. He knows he has the weapons to go do it. He just has to go out and do it. And he also said that. He said, you know, we can sit here and talk about it and have as many Zoom calls as we want about this. But until we go out and execute, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mute point. So I, I thought it was a great, a great piece by him. And you guys know me. I, you know, I'm not the biggest Mitch fan. I have not seen the production and I'm not as, you know, bought in. But this is also at the same time the quarterback of our team, someone that I want to see succeed. So I, yeah, I'm not the Mitch guy like Ethan or Duke. He's not my quarterback. But if Mitch succeeds, I'm a happy Chicago Bears fan. And, and he, you know, to spin zone it people talk about how the media likes having stories to write about during bad times i never got that shit i like writing good stories about these guys and when mitch is successful it's fun to write about yeah and that's kind of like what i highlighted in my my man in the arena um and if you want to do that you could find it at on tap sports net but it's called mitchell trubisky the man in the arena that's kind of what i said right because there's no one that can argue with the fact you know i kind of set it up where like ryan pace says at the end of last year's presser, Mitch needs to be more consistent. And if we're going to look at Mitch's consistently, he's consistently not performing well more than he's consistently performing well. So his only consistency is actually on the lower end, unfortunately, right? But the one thing I feel like everyone fails to acknowledge is is his good games, right? Like I even said it, when, last year in 2018, when we were going into Tampa, Tampa was seen as a powerhouse. They were the number one offense and we were the number one defense. And everyone was like, this is a true test. Can Mitchell Trubisky put up points to, you know, to deal with Fitz magic and what's going on in Tampa Bay and what happened? The bears went in there and donkey punched the fuck out of them. And he throws how many touchdowns? Six, but you know, he's the first one to do that to Tampa Bay. He's the first one to do that to Tampa Bay, but it's his problem, right? It, 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 at that point, it's no longer good enough. If he plays well against the Vikings, well, you know, they were out of the playoff race, so it doesn't matter. He lights up the Lions. Eh, it's the fucking Lions. He does well in the playoff game and Cody Parkey. You know what I mean? So it's just like he's never really acknowledged for his – he's only acknowledged for his shortcomings. He's not acknowledged for for the things that he does well. Go ahead, B-Don. 
Yeah, and it's like like it's like what I said a few weeks ago. I honestly think if there's a couple more minutes left on the clock and Mitch is asked for a touchdown instead of a field goal, I think he produces it in that Eagles game. Yeah, and that and that's and that's the thing that it really bothers me about all of it is just like it, he's only the only thing that gets highlighted is his poor play, and the guy does make some elite level th- throws to to come back to Duke because there are times where you're like, okay, th- this is this is the number two overall pick. Like this guy could fucking put balls in the right places at times, not nearly as much as you'd like him to, but there's, there's glimpses you see, right? There's those glimpses. And I think that's what Ryan Pace was talking about with the consistency. Yeah. Go ahead. Dude. Well, and I think uh, to one of the points he made about how every time Mitch does have one of these games where he does show like what he's capable of, it's immediately going to the narrative. Well, well, wow. That team really, really didn't show up. Like that team allowed that against Mitchell Trubisky. Like we saw it, we saw it with Dallas last year. Uh, Dallas was a top five defense, top, like top five, top, top 10, 10, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were, they were top 10 in two categories, which it, it put them near the top their pass five. rush. Their pass rush was top five. So that's what you're looking for, dude. dude. Robert Quinn, Michael Bennett, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, you know, they have inside linebackers. They had corners Byron. Uh, what is it? Byron Jones was like one of the best corners in football last they year. They had a stout, they had a stout defensive line specifically. Yeah, Jalen Smith yeah. and Vanderash too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mitch, Mitch tore them to pieces. Like they came into Chicago. That was a big game. Yeah. My girlfriend's flipping me off right now. Cause she's a Cowboys fan. Mitch tore the Cowboys to pieces. Like he was the best player on that field. Like I, for that, if it was for that one night or not, people cannot deny that. But immediately, the the media narrative, the second that game was over, was wow, the Cowboys really went out there and had a stinker. Like, how in the world do you let Mitchell Trubisky do yes. that? And it's like, dude, can you at least give this guy any credit? Like, any little glimpse of credit? Like, dude, look at PFF. They didn't even want to give him a positive grade for that game. And it's like, how in the world can you watch that game and tell me that that is not a a plus performance, like a top performance for the week. Like what a joke. What a joke. I I waged war against PFF a long time ago because they are an extremely biased fucking network and they ride, ride every Packer players fucking donger. And that's, they're just not that good. The Packers have not been that good in recent years. So I'm not about PFF at all. And they are that type of, they're that type of company where if their data supports your argument, you're like, all right, I'll throw in a PFF stat. And if their data does not, you're like, no, they're, they're a joke of a company. So I, I kind of um, understand the bias towards them. I I'm the same way I get it. Uh, Cause I will use some of their stuff to back up my shit. But most of the time when, when you're telling me Adrian Amos is the best player on our defense, when we have Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and guys like that, you can, you can get fucked. Um, but overall, I just think like this animosity towards Mitch started draft day. He was booed when he got drafted. He got booed two days later when he was at the Bulls game. You know, he had that. I wouldn't say terrible rookie season, but he did. You know, he came in and he was clearly head and shoulders above Mike Lennon. There's no reason Mike Lennon should have started one game. But it was just kind of like everyone did get on board with him. Right. Everyone watched him drink that beer with Kyle Long or chug that beer and make fun of Aaron Rodgers. Like that was the summer of love after they won, but he was on such a short leash. It was like all the truthers stayed true to him. Right. But then all the people that disliked him stayed quiet and just waited for that moment to pounce. And as soon as he had a shitty game week one, boom, it was back to hate fest on Mitchell Trubisky, which that's fine, whatever. But, but one thing I highlighted in this article is I said, no one gives a fuck about some dude with, 
147 Twitter followers getting their prediction on Mitchell Trubisky correct. No one cares, okay? No one cares at all. The, the thing that's the most important is this sh city sharing a Lombardi, and I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle because people want to be right. It's dumb. It's that simple. Go ahead, dude. Well, well, dude, and it's uh, it's almost like one of the things that's even happening with the Foles and uh, Trubisky like divide that's our, we're already seeing on Twitter. Like, I I just sat here and praised Trubisky to the heavens. I will sit here and say that if Nick Foles is a starter week one, he 100% has my support. Like, you make a great point, Lucas. It's all about the Lombardi Trophy. Like, yeah, we are, like, I'm going to root for Mitch. I want Mitch to win the job. I'm not, but I'm not going to wish ill will towards Nick Foles. I'm not going to see Nick Foles starting week one if that's the case and be like, ah, I can't wait till this guy fucks up so my boy Mitch can get in there. And I think that's what people need to start realizing. Like, it's all about like us. It's all about us winning a Super Bowl. And whoever wins games, if Nick Foles goes in there week one and wins games, if Mitchell Trubisky goes in there week one and wins games, let's be fucking happy with that. Let's be happy with winning quarterback play, regardless of who is at quarterback. Yeah, and to mirror that, like it, the only reason why anyone is having this conversation is because Mitch is the number two draft pick. If he slides and he's like a twenty-four late first round, you know where Jordan Love or Rodgers is found. We're not having this conversation. I was sitting there, you know, when I was watching the press conference this morning, and I'm just sitting there thinking, like, what a ride it has got to have been and how, you know, we're sitting there and Mitch, you know, he's never gotten in trouble. He doesn't bat off against the media. The only real bad thing that we have against Mitch right now is that he asked for the TVs to be shut off last year at Hallis Hall, and that's about it. The kid has behaved. He has literally been bat not, not battling with the media because he's just all, you know, not – not necessarily, um, I would say, scripted responses, but professional responses. And like you guys have said, since he got here, there's been this, this you know, built-up animosity towards him. Well, Chicago Bears fans, let me, let me do you a favor real quick. We've never had a great quarterback. We've never had a transcendent quarterback. So for us to put it all on Mitchell Trubisky is, is ridiculous. Like Duke said, though, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be rooting for any one specific person. You should be rooting for winning football. And whoever our quarterback is out there during week one, it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't be whining about, oh, if it's Mitch, Nick's, Nick Foles should be in or vice versa. Whoever wins the job wins the job. And it's a consensus decision by the staff. And they have been transparent about that to the media and to everyone the way they're going to make that decision. Yeah, and I, I, I think, like, uh, you know, just to circle back to what, what um, Duke was saying, it, if you had, and this is one of the first points you made, the one thing I think about Mitchell Trubisky, because you're right, his name has never been mentioned in a sentence with lack of effort or um, lazy or anything like that, okay? It's, it's, his performance has nothing to do with the amount of effort he's willing to put in for this, this team. He's, he's the type of guy where if you look at his interview, you know, he's smart enough to know hey, I'm not sending out messages to get people to meet up in a group text. I'm texting people individually because they're going to respond better. Like he's doing things that a leader does. He's not performing the way you want him to, but rooting for him to rooting for him to lose just because you don't like him or you didn't like the draft pick or you like Deshaun Watson more is is just straight up idiotic and, and it's, it's dumb thinking. And like how you were talking about how he, he handles the media beat on, like the one thing I wish, and this is what I was saying about Duke's point, 
I wish he had a little bit more Jay Cutler in him. And that's coming from a guy that wasn't a huge Jay Cutler fan. And, you know, you just heard Brandon say all that stuff. Brandon's not a, a Mitch Trubisky guy. He, he's not sitting here, like, with a Mitch Trubisky jersey on. My man's got a fucking Roquan Smith jersey on right now. You know what I mean? So, at the end of the day, he's got his Abella Danger tape loaded and ready to go for after this. Like, so, <laughs> my, my thing is, but my thing is, you know, like, you're hearing this from a guy who's thinking logically about it, beat on. Like, he he's not a huge Mitch Trubisky guy, but he's still willing to acknowledge, like, yeah, this is a team sport. And I'm me, someone who does like Mitchell Trubisky. If Nick Foles comes out and balls, I am 100% on the Nick Foles train. Go ahead, be done. Yeah, and a couple things, too. You guys weren't a part of On Tap uh, last year, but when I put out my article, I was sitting there beating my chest at the beginning of the season saying that this was going to be a transcendent year for Mitch. So I actually was one of those guys with 147 followers last year who fell flat on his face on his Mitch take. So I have every right in the world to be pissed off at this guy, but I'm not. He's still our quarterback. I want to see him be successful, and he's doing all the right things Going back to my beat on him on a Pia, he's controlling what he can control. The one thing about that the the players meeting up, I don't know if it was in the Cohen interview or in the in the Mitch interview, but what was said is that he inter, or he will uh, he'll text about four players and then they'll text like everyone else and then before you know it, you know they'll have a a good group of guys working out. And honestly, that's all you can ask for your quarterback during these testing times. Um, the NIU quarterback over here has been doing it. I've seen it at the college landscape. You just, you know, with football, you can run routes. They're running routes on air. They're not, you know, you can, so you can quote unquote social distance, you know, run any route on the route tree. And the only thing that I think, I think it actually, now that I remember it, it was the Cohen interview because he did say, uh, the only real thing right now that they're dealing with is like, if you touch your face after catching the ball, bringing it back. And that yeah, was it. Exactly. So it, it definitely was the Cohen interview, but just to see that the guys have that camaraderie and, and they, and they love each other. The, you know, this is something that I said, and I, you know, I echoed after that 2018 season, the 2018 Chicago bears was the most fun team in the, I would say almost the history of the NFL. Everyone loved everyone. There was no controversy. They were partying, clubbed up, all that stuff. 2019, not the same. They have to get back. You know, and they have been, you know, they're they're in that, you know, that I guess you would say they've all been there for a few years. So they've been, you know, in the system for three years now with Matt Nagy, but he's got to be a fun coach to play for. You see it out there on Sundays and those guys just love going to battle with each other. Um, I do want to take a shot at one of the media members because they did ask a question uh, to Eddie Jackson, basically like saying, do you think, you know, the team being, you know, close or the team, you know, liking each other will help you guys go out and win more on Sunday. And I just, you know, as someone who's aspiring to be one of those guys in those press conferences, I got way better questions than that. So if I don't remember exactly who it was, Duke, I know you're shaking your head. I know you got better questions than that. And Lucas, I know you got better questions than that. It was an absurd scene to see that asked in like such a, I guess you would take testing time. Yeah. And we're going to get back to exactly what you said in like, two minutes. I just want to make a couple more points about Mitch before we move on. Um, you know, we noticed a sense of calm that we've never seen with Mitch Trubisky. And that's something I don't want to uh, be overblown, but it's something I also don't want to be understated because, you know, his stress levels are at an all time low is, is what it seems like. And you got to think too, with COVID, like there hasn't been much media availability. So they really haven't been able to talk to him and badger him all off season and at OTAs and stuff like that. So I think that kind of plays into it as well. But more so, I just think like, you know, he even said 
I'm playing for my next contract and I don't know where it will be. Like there is a sense of self-realization for Mitchell Trubisky right now. We're like, you know, he did come out and say, this is still my team. I still see this as my team, which I think is awesome. But there was also that self-realization of like, this could be my last year here. I haven't performed well enough. He acknowledged all of those things in his press. You really couldn't have asked for anything more. And like, I know you can't really grade press conferences, but if you're going to talk about all of Mitchell Trubisky's press conferences, this was his least like generic response. This was a very genuine, for me, this was by far his best one. And it did reinstill a little bit more faith back in him because it does seems like he's just kind of like, fuck it. I'm going to go out there and sling it. And that's kind of what we've wanted from him this whole time, you know, because when he does that, he does play all, at a much higher level than when, when he's sitting there freaking out, you could see it. You could see it in his footwork and his eyes and his reads. Like when he's nervous, you could see all that. And when he's two minute Mitch, you just see him kind of going out there and playing like he's on the schoolyard. Go ahead, dude. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> no, sorry about that. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's Mitch at his best. That's raw Mitch. That is a guy who, you know, like you pointed out, and I'm glad you did point out because it was a big part of it. He is playing for his next contract. He, you know, I to I guess to really put it the best way, the honeymoon phase is over. The idea that he is Ryan Pace's quarterback, like undoubtedly, is over. The idea that he is for sure the franchise quarterback in Chicago is over. And it's good to see that he has enough self-realization to see that. You know, not necessarily that those things are over, but the idea of all those things are over. The idea that Mitch is going into this season with the quarterback job for sure is over. Like, it is his job to lose, in my opinion. I still think there is a lot of confidence for the guy in the locker room. And I think bringing in a guy like Nick Foles was about like a 50-50 bringing him for his talent and bringing him in to light a fire under Mitch. But I think it's a cold, nice cold drink of water to see Mitch finally realize that it's time to show up and that he can't hide behind his draft stock. He can't hide behind this fifth year option that everyone thought that was probably going to get picked up by Ryan Pace that didn't after last season. It's finally time for Mitch to pick up his football, go out there and show what he can do. Yeah. And now I want to transition in what Brandon was saying, because it's a lot of dog shit questions asked by the Chicago media in general. And we're going to move into this Robert Quinn interview but i just want to know real quick beat on what's one question you'd like to to ask robert quinn uh well personally i mean robert quinn's someone who i've actually followed for his whole career because my dad's a rams fan so i've always been a big robert quinn fan um the one question that and and they actually asked it was like you know what made you want to come to the chicago bears and he kind of touched on it it might have been the only football question asked in the interview um and he basically said you know that you know, part of the reason why he came to the Chicago Bears was the treasured history of the defense. And he goes, well, I thought, well, I play defense. So and he basically yeah. like, he's like, he just kind of is like he's so like low key and just like laissez faire and just chill. And then, you know, it kind of really pissed me off is because he came into that. That's his like first interview in Chicago. Right. Chicago media has a bad history. You know, whatever you guys want to say, we're not Philadelphia, so we're not as bad as them. But still, they're kind of aggressive. We're we're, we're up there with them, Duke. What's what's one question you'd want to ask, um, Robert Quinn? Well, dude, I'm direct, and I mean, if if I have a chance to ask Robert Quinn, the violent man that is Robert Quinn, the soft spoken Robert Quinn, who reminds me a lot of Cleo Mack in that sense, by the way, which He's I got think. That- 
that gentle giant vibe to him. Very, very quiet in the interview, you know, very like speaks at a slower rate too. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Not that I'll show you. I don't need to tell you. Exactly. I love all of that. That's, that's some lunch pail shit right there. But um, yeah, if I, if I have one question, I'm going to start the hate train real fucking early. And I'm going to be like, Hey, Robert, I see you just got signed to this great deal to come to Chicago. How does it feel that Aaron Rodgers still makes more money than you? Like I am starting that immediately. Like, dude, every quarterback in the NFC North, like I'm throwing them under the bus to Robert Quinn right now. I'm giving him layups. Like, dude, say every bad thing you can about these quarterbacks now. So they absolutely fear playing you because I mean, you can watch the film and see it, but make, yeah. make them know that you dislike these guys. <laughs> And some things I'd like to hear, like, would you be comfortable in a uh, two point stance or how do you feel about your alignment? You know, you were usually lined up in what looked like a fucking really deep five technique or a seven technique. Like, how would you feel about lining up in a true a true five technique or, you know, anything along those lines? Instead, what kind of Brandon was getting at is that he was fucking berated. He got asked one football question. It was like a 15 minute interview. One football question. And you could tell as soon as they started asking him about protests and, you know, the movement for Black Lives Matter, they could tell it was something he didn't want to answer. And they kept fucking pushing it. And this is the one thing I despise most about the Chicago media, because they're not looking for a quality story. They're looking to break a motherfucker down and make him essentially say a headline they're they're right they're 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 looking for a headline story they are fishing like a motherfucker exactly duke it's kind of how i put it earlier but they are fishing to make this guy say something or do something that make that could possibly paint him in a bad light paint someone else in a bad light but they were looking for some bullshit and they didn't care about football when it came to robert quinn go ahead brandon yeah oh hold on I think I actually pulled the Robert Quinn. Okay, so two things. Um, I just I'm gonna touch on the second one first because it just happened to me. But Robert Quinn actually went full beat on and was talking during a mute during the interview. So I I respect Robert Quinn in that sense because <laughs> we are both not technologically savvy. So Robert Quinn, you're my guy for that. But the second uh, football note that was touched on in the interview was. He did. I remember this this quote exactly. You know, he's like, it's Chuck Pagano's defense. I'm not expecting him to change it around for me. I'm going to come in and do my job, learn my position and and get after it. You know, so I thought that was, you know, great to hear um, because he is a versatile guy. You can you know, he, he had a little bit of linebacker, not too much, but mostly you can put him on the outside. Um, and basically he's he's quick. He's always getting after the quarterback. He's good on the run stop, too. So it's like it's one of those things with him and Khalil Mack there and Akeem Hicks in the middle. Can you name a better defensive line across the board in the NFC or even the league? Like, like non-biased, like, let's sit here and have that conversation because San Francisco really unloaded. I would say San Francisco had the best one prior to this, but going into this season. And then, too, if you look at it, out, you know, I'm going to go out and say it. Bilal Nichols is quality, too. Like, he could start for a lot of teams in the NFL but he just happens to be on the bears. So, well, and, 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 that, and Roy Rob too, Roy Rob. And that's the thing, you know, you're talking about Duke. We'll get to you in one second. That's the thing you're talking about though. Like same thing with Leonard Floyd, everyone hated on Leonard Floyd. He would have started for 50% of the league last year, but because he wasn't doing what the fan base wanted him to do, they used to dog his shit and drag him through the mud. Go ahead, Duke. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Cause, and I absolutely hate comparing like, uh, anything to the Packers here, 
But what I really want to see out of Robert Quinn is I think something similar to what we saw out of Julius Peppers when he went up north was he kind of went from being just strictly that pass rushing guy, you know, hand in the dirt, everything. He fully developed into an a three, four outside linebacker. He got better in coverage. He was athletic enough. He was a smart enough football player to do all of these things. And I see a lot of that with Robert Quinn, man. You know, like, like Bidon said, he's followed Robert Quinn a good amount of his career. I watch, I've watched a lot of Robert Quinn in my, in my time as well, especially with my girlfriend being a Cowboys fan. I watched a lot of him last year. He is that type of player. He's a very smart player. He's very athletic. He is that guy who can definitely play in different techniques. And dude, I love that quote that this is Chuck Pagano's defense fit me in, you know, he, he, he's looking at it like, dude, I will fit wherever the hell you want to put me and I will make plays. Yeah. I think Abella danger was saying the same thing to Roquan Smith. Just fit him in. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got, oh shit. I got another t-shirt idea. Get in where you fit in. <laughs> oh my God. So, so check this out though. Um, no, it, I like I'm what you said about Julius Peppers. I, I, it, 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 <laughs> I like what you said about Julius Peppers. It reminded me of something I just heard on the most recent Bears 100 Proof. They had um, though that's what Draft Doctor Phil and those guys they do quality work. So that's one one podcast I'm willing to promote and 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 cite that I'm willing to promote is that Bears Bar Room. But they had Olin Cruz on, and um, Olin Cruz was talking to Lovey. He's like, "Dude, we're fucking terrible on the offensive line. Like, can you help me out?" He's like, and Lovey's like, don't worry, I got you, man. I got you. And then and then he signs Julius Peppers. And he was like, yeah, he fucking added Julius Peppers to an already ridiculous defense. Like, so I just thought that was hilarious because that's that was Lovey's mindset. He did not care about offense whatsoever, dude. You know, actually, to that point, though, if I if I could just stop in here, that probably did improve the offensive line because then, then they had to practice against Julius Peppers every fucking week. And dude, now Charles Leno doesn't have to go against Leonard Floyd. He gets to go against Robert Quinn at practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, iron sharpens iron. That's it. That's it. That's a very Chuck Pagano saying. Yeah, I'm just a little disappointed in how the media handled Robert Quinn. And I felt like with him specifically, maybe because he was more soft spoken and maybe they thought they could get more out of him or badger him more because, like, you know, everyone else, when they asked him, they kind of found a way to divert from the, the subject a little bit better. Whereas Robert Quinn was just kind of like kept answering, but you could tell he was being affected by it, you know, and it it wasn't sitting right with him. So Chicago media at the end of the day, you guys need to fucking do better because one of us are coming for your job. A hundred percent. Go ahead, dude. dude, and, And I think the thing that irritates me is because I watched a lot of these press conferences in a row. The fact that a guy who's like a stern is like a Tariq Cohen. He knows the bullshit. He knows the whole shtick that these guys do. He, got straight to the point with a lot of these answers, you know, answered him quick. Cause he knew he wanted to get onto something else. He knew he wanted to get onto a different point, man. This is Robert Quinn's like, I wouldn't say it's his intro, like press conference or anything like that, but this is the first like press conference he's done since all like this whole off season with COVID and everything's come out and it just, they just went right at it with him. You know what I mean? Like they didn't even give him an opportunity to, to like even pause on anything. They were just uh, yeah. at him with these points. Like there wasn't even a football question sprinkled in anything. And not that he did, not that he wasn't speaking on important things. I absolutely, but you could tell the guy wanted to talk about other things as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's the one thing I'll say. Like there's, there's no reason to be, you know, as we've, we've all kind of highlighted on, this is not the time to be silent. Right. But you're in a football interview and you're 
you're clearly berating a man at this point when he's he's clearly not interested in talking about what you're talking about. You got your point across. You asked them six questions straight about it. You don't need to go for seven, eight, and nine. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, and the thing is, too, is, you know, if, if you guys watched all these interviews, they asked everyone else about one or two questions on it. Yep. It was about one or two questions of Cohen. I don't think they even asked Mitch, which I'm not even going to get into, but they, you know, they asked Jackson like two. They asked Buster Screen like two. It wasn't, it wasn't anything like any of the other pressers that went on. So that was just a little disappointing. And like you said, Luke, it comes down to this. You guys got to be better. We're coming for your job. It's that simple. We're, and we're, I have, like, I have plenty, we all have player interviews and plenty of interviews with plenty of great questions that we've asked in the past out there to be seen and heard. So. Yeah, no, I don't I don't stand for that shit. You don't berate a player because he's clearly a little bit more soft spoken and getting more affected by the and questions. He's always he's always voiced his opinion and stood on the issue at hand, too. Yeah, so. it's just like, don't don't be a piece of shit. I think it's a general rule. But let's move on to Tariq Cohen, because I know uh, Duke was talking about Tariq Cohen. I want to get to his interview as well. Um, you want to start us off with that, Duke? Yeah, I mean, uh, you could tell Tariq is used to uh, streaming because his feed was immaculate. Not like no, no interruption, no lagginess or anything like that. You could tell he's been playing a lot of uh, a lot of Warzone. Which, uh, by the way, since me and Buzz started streaming, impressive work, Tariq. I got to give you that because it's not fucking easy. Um, but off of that, dude, I was really, I'm always impressed when Tariq uh, handles these interviews. He's a very straight up guy. He does not play bullshit whatsoever like he will answer your question and he will look at you stupid until you have anything else to say um and i love that about Tariq. i think he made a lot of great points um i think uh he was very complimentary about mitch but he also made a point to say like this is stuff mitch has been doing forever this shouldn't be surprising to anybody um and i really think uh one thing he highlighted on i really think uh would be a good thing to elaborate on because it's been a problem with the bears for years is uh his health and it's not necessarily a Tariq Cohen thing it's uh what are what are we what's the nutrition program for the Chicago Bears because if if I'm not mistaken one of the big things in the John Fox era was injuries and that was one thing we always looked at and um you know we have a quarterback who's gotten banged up a bit we've got Tariq Cohen who is a smaller guy but is still being used a lot you know, it's and I know, Lucas, you wanted to make a point about uh, how much we've been using Tariq, which I'm sure you'll be making here in a second. But it, it makes you wonder what team nutrition is like right now with the Chicago Bears. Well, one thing I want to add is, you know, John Fox, the John Fox era, we had a ton of injuries. And other than Kyle Long and Sam Acho, I want to say in 2018, we were pretty clean and they overhauled the entire strength and conditioning staff and medical staff in 2018 when Nagy got here. So I do think that's a little bit better. Mitch's injuries, personally, I think they're a little bit more kind of freak injuries, right? Like landing on your landing on your arm like that and popping it out of its thing and then kind of getting popped by Harrison, uh, Harrison Smith. And, you know, it's, it's shoulders coming out. It's not like him with high ankle sprains or, you know, really stuff due to his mobility. It's more so his shoulders seem to be a little bit, if anything, they need to figure out what they're going to do with his shoulders to prevent this. You know what I mean? And not, not meaning in a sense of surgery, but a less restrictive type of maybe a copper sleeve, call up Brett Favre. He's no longer a Packer. You know what I mean? Like 
maybe something like that, but they need to get something to tighten that up because that's the one thing that seems to be his, you know, his Achilles heel is, is his shoulders. And it was two different shoulders, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, in 2018, it was his throwing shoulder that got separated and then he dislocated his non-throwing shoulder in 2019. Um, but when it comes to Tariq Cohen, he said that he wasn't in the best of shape or some, I don't want to say that exact quote, but it was something along those lines. Like he wasn't <clears throat> as physically as prepared. Yeah. He wasn't taking care of his body as good as he used to. And that's one thing that kind of stood out to me because him, I mean, he's not a big dude, you know, and like you said, I don't think he should be utilized nearly as much to prevent him from getting injured. And so he can, you know, really go after it for those 35% of plays he's on the field. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like he's jacked up. The guy's in ridiculous shape. He's, you know, his, his fucking, yeah, he did the backflip while catching two balls at the same time in his draft video. So Hearing that really kind of surprised me. Yeah, so honestly, I, I honestly thought Cohen handled himself well, and, and you know, that kind of worrisome, but he also did have some other good points. Like, he does realize he is the oldest running back in the room. Uh, he, he had mentioned that, you know, before it was Benny Cunningham, but now he's kind of that vet. And not, Duke's looking at me funny. He, he said Benny. I don't know. That's what he said. But um, basically what it is is he knows it's a contract year, he knows that he has to go out and prove it. He said in his exact words, he says, I can't put pressure on nobody else. It's all on me. He knows that he is kind of that wild card player. Um, he knows that basically the way he was used in 2019 wasn't the best way it needs to get back to more of, you know, a little bit less being on the field. And when he's on the field, it's the element of surprise, not necessarily knowing that he's going to get the ball. Um, but basically the thing that I like the most is that, he was just himself in the interview, and he was very quick and to the point. Next, not necessarily saying next question, but you could just like feel the vibe when you looked at the interview that he was just like all business. It was twelve minutes, I think, at the end of the interview, which is short. And he was, you know, he was funny. He's like, "I'm immune to coronavirus because I I heal like the Wolverine." Like he just he's casual. He kept it cool, calm, and collected, and he was funny too. So I it, honestly, I'm gonna end it with this. I'm gonna keep it short and simple. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Ricky Bobby, but if you don't like Terry Cohen, then fuck you. <laughs> that's about that's about I as mean, simple as it gets. Yeah, straight up. I mean, like Terry Cohen almost has that um, that Charlie Murphy, uh, you know, uh, Charlie Murphy in what's it called in Chappelle Show type of humor. Very like I'm gonna I'm super serious. I'm gonna stare you right in your eyes and I'm gonna drop some dry ass humor right in your face. Like I really like Tariq Cohen. And I think uh, a part of the reason why he handles the media he does is because he's been in Chicago for three years. He understands what they're trying to do. He understands the narrative that they're trying to um push out of him and get him to say shit. So I think that's kind of why he handles the media the way he does. Um, but overall, I we're gonna move forward because um we had a David Montgomery interview while like he was on his way to um, go into throwing practice with Mitch and all those guys, or maybe right after they, they got it in the middle of it. Um, Cause him and Nick Williams won the Piccolo award. For those of you that don't know the Piccolo award, it's essentially the, um, the Walter Payton man of the year award, which um, you know, is, is league wide, but it's, it's for just Chicago bears. They give it to one rookie and they give it to one um, veteran just pretty much anyone who best exemplifies courage, loyalty, teamwork, dedication, and sense of humor of the late great grind Piccolo who passed away at 26. I believe um, he was, you know, they had a ton of videos come out like 
The McCaskies saw him as a family member. They stood by his bedside as he was going through what he was going through. The the um, is it the Piccolo Foundation? I'm trying to think of exactly what they started, the charity they started, but they've raised millions of dollars. Uh, Duke, you were muted. Go ahead. Do you want to fill us in on that? No, I think I think it is the Brian Piccolo Foundation, and yeah, um, they have. There's been a lot of great things done in his honor and in his name. And it's exactly the kind of, uh, yeah, I I think Lucas really nailed a lot of the points. Um, you know, the Brian Piccolo award for, you know, anyone who might be listening to a bears podcast that doesn't root for the bears, you know, whatever the fuck you're doing here, just so you know, Brian Piccolo. um, We appreciate you though. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Tell your friends. I don't, I don't care if you're in green Bay listening to this. I mean, thanks for the view. Um, but I mean, the biggest thing about Brian Piccolo that, you know, you might not realize is just how much he really meant to the locker room back in those early, uh, those early days with Gail Sayers and Dick Buckus and everyone like that. Like he was very much a huge, huge glue guy, you know, and he was also very talented. And I think anyone who receives an award like that, yes, it doesn't maybe have the recent name of like a Walter Payton or something like that, but, uh, it does mean a lot. It means a lot at Hallis Hall. It's one of those things that uh, when you hear these Bears player talk about uh, being proud of being a Chicago Bear for the history, it's something that goes along with that. Because Brian Piccolo, if you haven't seen the movie Brian song or really have looked up anything about the guy, his relationship with him and Gail Sayers, that's something you want on every football team. And it's something that um, if you get highlighted for being a player like that, you are highly regarded in the locker room. Because I, if I am correct, it is award uh, voted on by the players. It is. Yeah. So we're, it's an award voted on by the players. If you feel like crying, go ahead and rent Brian's song. I'm sure you can get it off like any smart TV or anything like that. Cause it's a tearjerker. Very, very good movie. Um, and and as you were saying, Duke, like even Dan Hampton, you know, they did a little thing kind of uh, with all all not all the players, but some of the players. They had Charles Tillman, some other guys um, talking about it was a video saying, like, congratulating the new Piccolo Award winners. And Dan Hampton was the one that stuck out to me the most because he was like, I've won a lot of awards, but still this award means you know, it's up there, the highest ranked awards with the Hall of Fame and stuff like that, because this is voted on by the teammates, by your by your other players, you know, and that that's a lot that's saying a lot. So and David Montgomery, he is that guy works his ass off, really like good sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like always dancing. There's that video of him uh, in preseason dancing to Spice Adams's chick-fil-a song or whatever so the kid's like he's he's good and we've we've kind of highlighted on this if you don't like david montgomery you're you're gonna at some point you're gonna get on the hype train you're gonna join so you might as well join now where there's a little bit of leg room yeah so a couple things about brian piccolo you know like you said duke towards the end of your piece brian's song is a great movie it was a movie that my mom actually made me watch uh you know not necessarily to you know unlock the privilege to watch bears games but she's like you know if you're gonna watch the bears and be a bears fan like, you need to watch this movie. Uh, my family has, like, not necessarily, like, a, a great treasured history, but, you know, a couple of my aunts and uncles grew up around the Peyton family. Uh, my mom's husband grew up around, or not grew up, but, you know, worked around a lot of the Bears. So I've always had kind of, like, very loose connections in my family to the Bears. But in my mom's office growing up, she had a uh, signed picture of, it was Brian Piccolo and Gail Sears, and Piccolo is, like, down in his three-point stance in the I formation, and Sayers is like trying to pants him, and it's just like the funniest picture ever. 
And if that doesn't tell you, like, you know, at the end of the day, although football is a business and there's billions and billions of dollars out there and millions to be made by the players, you have to go out there and seize the moment and have fun and take advantage of all, you know, the little things. Like you said, like Montgomery just, you know, dancing and goofing around. Like, you got to take advantage of every memory that you can get in the NFL. And an award like this, you know, not only exemplifies that or exemplifies that, but, you know, it just proves that, you know, the Chicago Bears are an organization that takes things serious. They touched on it in the press. I don't remember exactly who it was, but we touched on it last week. We, we do everything right. And it's not just to get likes, clicks or the media to, or the fans to be on our side. They do things the right way because it's the right thing to do. They stand by their players and their coaches hundred percent. And I don't know, I've, I've never been a part of another like fan base. I would say between like the Cubs, the bears, you know, like the Cubs that they, they, they don't care about their people. They don't give a shit, but you know what I'm saying? Like the bears, it just feels a little bit different. Um, except for season tickets. And I know Buzz will have his piece on that, but, <laughs> but other than that, they're doing everything right. And my hat's off to them for that. So yeah, go ahead, dude. So uh, really to kind of close off and uh, really to elaborate on kind of a lot of the stuff that Brandon was saying there, which great stuff. Absolutely. Um, I think Brian Piccolo really symbolizes to enjoy every moment you are in the league, enjoy every single moment that you have, the opportunity to go and be on this team, to be a part of something, you know, to be a part of the 2020 Chicago bears, you know, cause let's, let's be real. Any, any of us who have ever played on a football team, you, you kind of have that moment of realization where eventually we're never going to be able to be gathered like this again. And we're never going to be able to have this entire situation around us again. And I think with, when you look at someone like Brian Piccolo, who lost his life in the prime of his life. You know, like it was going to be him and Sayers in the backfield for the foreseeable future, you know, him with his best friend and for it to be taken so quickly and for him to be as positive as he was all the way up until the end. Enjoy every last second of the time that we have here with the people you care about, with your friends, because it can be gone like that. I mean, you got to think 26, man. He was younger than all of us when he passed away. Or I think he's Brandon his age, right? Brandon, you're 25 or 26. I'm 25. Yes. Or you're 25. Yeah, too, dude. So I'm, he's right. I mean, yeah, he's right around your age. Yeah. Imagine, like, imagine that, like literally life's just starting for, for us. And, and it was done. And the one thing, like, you know, we, we kind of joke about lunch pails, but that that's exa- exactly who Brian Piccolo was. He was a lunch pail oh, yeah. guy. Fullback, fullback too. And what? To lighten the mood, my girlfriend almost killed me last night. Not directly, but we were uh, we went for a bike ride, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I used to go on this bike park all the time when I was a kid." Let's just say the bike park one beat on zero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully <laughs> to hopefully, lighten the mood a little. <laughs> yeah, next time maybe yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, like go on a freaking rail to get everyone teary eyed, but no, I, yeah, it's, and that's the thing though. But that's the thing; it's the it's the real the reality of the situation. It, and I kind of tried to tiptoe around it, but like you said, you know, even playing in the NFL, you can get that taken away any snap, any snap, any play for, for our football guys out there and anyone that listens, I want you to, you know, if you have time to go take a listen to a guy by the name of Inky Johnson, someone who played at Tennessee in the early 2000s, he was going to be a first round draft pick and it was all taken away because of a hit, because of one, one bad hit that he made. 
he lost his entire career. He became a motivational speaker after. But when you strap that helmet on, whether you're playing in high school, whether you're playing in peewee, whether you're playing the semi-pro men's league type stuff that I played arena football, wherever, any given play could be your last. So you got to go, like you said, Duke, you got to go out and just have as much fun doing it, especially if you're getting paid. That's just a plus at that point, you know? Yeah, and at the time, I mean, Piccolo was faced with with a very unknown type of cancer, you know what I mean? And his foundation has has brought a ton of light to it, but the man never stopped fighting. That's that's what everyone remembers about him is the fact that he never, ever stopped fighting. Um, and he was battling essentially an unknown disease, but he, he launch pale guy, man. He gave it everything he had until his last breath. And, and we, uh, you know, we appreciate the, the memory that lives on of Brian Piccolo, but, um, you know, let's, let's kind of, let's, let's lighten the mood a little bit and let's get moving on to our draft. Unless you guys have any other points that, yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Uh, Tariq Cohen is a, apparently a huge yoga guy now. Yeah. He he's trying to get his body right. <laughs> he yeah. mentioned that in his presser. So if you, if you need a yoga routine, hit up our guy, Tariq. Low key. Have you guys ever done yoga or like Bikram yoga, hot yoga? Cause that shit's a whole different world, bro. Like you talk about when you walk out of a hot yoga studio, you're sweating so hard. You, you're you literally think you're going to die the entire time. When you walk out, you feel like a newborn baby, dude. And like just the, just the heat and the humidity of it. Like your muscles are so much more relaxed. Like dudes, I'm telling you, you, you you might not be able to do the splits normally, but you could probably get to it in one of those fucking rooms because it's insane, dude. Like, the amount of stretching you're able to do. And then you see these, like, really wiry chicks that are just, like, murdering it. And, like, you're just, like, this fat kid <laughs> with, like, the entire watching, time. Yeah. There. Just, like, watching your fucking sweat drip off your titty, like, running down. Like, it's just <laughs> terrible. And then you see all these other people killing it. So props to Tariq Cohen for expanding his, um, his routine and stuff like that, because it's not, yoga is not an easy thing to do. And yoga also has to do with your mental fortitude, right? Like it's, it's a lot more, um, can you, can you deal with the pain that's happening right now? And can you push through it? So definitely, um, if you, you know, some people may make fun of yoga or something like that. Yoga and Pilates are, are very difficult things to do. Um, and I, I definitely recommend it from my personal standpoint. I've, I've, anytime I've ever had like an injury where I couldn't weight lift or weight train, I've always turned to yoga for like a month or two to kind of recover. So, um, definitely something I recommend. Is there anything else in the press conferences that you guys want to cover, uh, that we didn't get to, or should we get going to this, to this draft? Yeah, I'm ready to rock. We're ready to rock. All right. Sounds good. Get your Google docs up. For those of you that have been listening the last two episodes, um, We've been running this essentially all-time Bears fantasy draft. We're filling up a 53-man 53, 53 roster with all Chicago Bears players. We started the first round was Hall of Famers. The second round was all pros, and all pros have to be, have had an all-pro season for the Chicago Bears. And then this third round is Pro Bowlers, which is a little bit more extensive list. Um, the first two, we kind of gave you a little bit more background. This one, we might run through picks a little bit quicker because a lot of these names are a little bit more recognizable. Um, so we left off with B Don, if I'm not mistaken, he got the, um, the first Mr. Olive. And so we're going to start with Duke and Duke's got two to start. Well, based on my needs for my team so far, um, I actually have a depth chart, like a custom depth chart up right now. I'm totally cheating the system. So I know exactly what I need to get. Um, going to have to start right away with, uh, snagging Alshon Jeffrey because I need a wide receiver, something fierce. Um, Alshon, uh, 
definitely one of the uh, one of the better wide receivers in Bears history. Um, uh, definitely not a fan of some of the shit he says about Chicago, but uh, also a big fan of what he did for Chicago charity recently. Um, and I also, uh, just a side note, Duke. Don't believe anything Alshon Jeffrey says about Chicago because when he was here, he absolutely loved it. He just didn't like the I, fact that he can't keep his hands on balls and fucking got essentially cut. Um, I, I, I'm just pissed that he had to be that petty guy about it, especially before a fucking playoff game. Dude, that guy used to be literally running down the lakefront path. I've seen a thousand pictures of him shirtless, like running down Lake Michigan and stuff like that. So he, he loves Chicago and he doesn't want to be in Philly. Let's be real. Yeah, I was say he can... Yeah, I, I got a lot of stuff about Alshon Jeffrey just for the sake of being nice. I'm not going to say right now. But um, and then with my next pick, I'm going to solidify the rest of my offensive line and I'm going to grab my boy Kyle Long. You're a fucking got to do it. 75 motherfuckers. S- Kyle Long race me and I race me, you piece of shit. I fucking love you. Speaking of uh, Kyle Long, man. He kind of dropped some bombs on Twitter. Um, you know, he, he started off like a one day, it was like maybe three or four days ago where he was like, I'm going to be on <laughs> Yeah. He's like, I'm going to be honest. And then he started saying, be you. And everyone's like, that's a shot at Nagy. And then he started saying, be you. if I were to play, I wouldn't play for this staff. And people were reading into it heavily. I think personally, it was a st- strategic move to get his, um, to get his Twitter, uh, what do you call that ratio going? Cause you know, he's, he's trying to get a broadcasting career. The guy lost like 60, 70 pounds. He, he cannot play offensive line right now. It doesn't matter. He's not putting that weight back on. If he maybe wants to do it next year, possible. Okay. Whatever. But right now he's, he's not in shape to be playing offensive line. Go ahead, Duke. So, I mean, I'll keep this short cause we do got to get through the draft, but quite honestly, man, I didn't see anything where Kyle Long was out of bounds. Kyle Long has always been an insanely relatable guy. Like when, when it comes to being an NFL player compared to being a lunch pail, normal everyday guy. Um, if you guys got fired from a job for any reason, would you return to that job? If you still had to go deal with that same supervisor who was crucial in you being fired? Absolutely not. Like, no. There's just no way that's going to happen. And that's the thing. Like everyone was taking that so out of context. Like, and that was one of the points that Kyle tried making one of his tweets. Like you just got fired from your job and all of a sudden your job wants you back six months later with the same exact bosses. Are you going back? No, hell no. It's just not happening. Well, yeah. And he kind of alluded to the fact that he found out he was going to retire at halftime in Oakland. So, you know, and he was already kind of coming off. I think he missed that Washington game was the mm, no. He missed. Did he miss the Washington game or the, the Minnesota game? I think he missed the game right before or two games before where he was like out for a hip injury. And then sure enough, they were just kind of like told him he's not the same player he used to be. But, I mean, I made the point that Kyle Long at his worst was probably better than Rashad Coward at his best. So, I don't know if that was the most strategic move to make because we kind of found out that the biggest problem with our offensive line was the fact that we had James Daniels and Cody Whitehair. Um, You know, as soon as we switched them back to Cody Whitehair to center and Daniels back to guard, then things kind of worked itself out. So, I would have liked to see, you know, just the exact same O-line that we had last year and how how it would have been different. Um, but B-Don, we're back on to you with your next pick. 
So, going to be a controversial pick, uh, another controversial guy, but I do not have a tight end, and Mr. Martellus Bennett is available, so that will be my pick. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, I forgot to um, <laughs> I forgot to talk about that before. Martellus Bennett, like, we're talking about how the team is is all, like, you know, they get along and stuff like that. and, and it, <laughs> Polar do opposite. <laughs> do you remember the Martellus Bennett years? Do you remember? He called everyone what? bitches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, like, we're going we're gonna to quarantine him. He's not going to come to camp. Uh, he's going to be on his own routine, and he'll just show up on game day. Yeah, 100%. Um, I <laughs> he's mean, away, no, he he's right. away from everyone else. He was right. That team that we had assembled was a bunch of bitches. Like, it was literally dudes that were, like – there's a reason why we were getting straight plastered. There's a reason why we yeah, got no, you're right. over 49 points to fucking Green Bay and and the Patriots back-to-back weeks. Like, we were getting slapped around. And I don't think he was out of bounds for saying it, but, yeah, no, it was a little bit insane. Who was it Who was it that tore their ACL uh, celebrating a sack? Was it Pernell McPhee? No. no. Um, it was, Houston. Uh, well, Houston. Yeah, Mar- Houston. Oh, Mar- Houston, yeah. That's fucking it was. idiot. Dude, dude, I was sitting there screaming <laughs> at my TV, like, what are we doing? Like, this is just peak Chicago Bears. Like, Bears being Bears. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. I'm going to lead the fifth on fucking Martellus Bennett, but continue, guys. I just okay. needed a tight end, man. His business business only. It's like, all right, think of it like this. It's like when you you don't have many quarterbacks, not necessarily left, but good quarterbacks, and you draft Aaron Rodgers in fantasy. And then you're like, fuck, now I got to root for him. Yeah. Dude, my, so my brother, like. Pulls that off every year, and then he ends up getting fucked by Aaron Rodgers every fucking year. I didn't draft Aaron Jones last year, and it boned me. I have a very strict rule for my fantasy draft, and especially the first two rounds. I'm in all 12-team leagues, and I'm like, I need – like, I write down 24 names, and as they get picked, I cross them off the list. And the top name on the list, I have to pick them. Like, I'm not going against it. And this past year, it was Devontae Adams. Don't get me wrong. I traded him pretty quickly. But, I mean, Devontae Adams is a, is a monster. When it comes to fantasy, sometimes you got to take your uh, your heart out of it because, the you know, Aaron Jones is going to be a hot topic this year too as well. But moving on to my squad, I need a corner bad. And I got a couple decent ones I could pick from. But right now, I'm going to just go with Nathan Basher for his um, ability to return missed field goals for touchdowns. Um no, I'm just 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 thought that was fucking awesome when that happened. But he was actually a pretty solid player. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and share up some of my defensive line and take good old Tommy Harris. Tommy Harris was only a pro bowler. Me and my buddy actually got into an argument about this because I'm like, dude, he had to have been an all pro. The guy was unbelievable. But unfortunately, kind of injuries derailed his career. I think he would have been an all pro type player if he um, if he you know never had that. I think it was like a freak hamstring tear or something like that. And it's just kind of like. He was the type of player, uh, like a John Randall type, where he was quick and not as strong and, um, you know, able to get into people. And as soon as his quickness left, it, it kind of derailed his career. But those are my picks. I'm going to go with Nathan Basher and Tommy Harris. So uh, right, right, right to make this point real quick, because I was going to say it for whoever drafted Tommy Harris. Um, I know Mike Brown gets talked about a lot for that uh, t- uh Bear squad going to the Super Bowl. Like everyone's like, if Mike Brown would have played, they would have won the Super Bowl. Uh, Cameron Worrell, I actually interviewed him like about a year or two ago, who was actually on that Bear squad. He said it was unanimous that they all believe that if Tommy Harris would have been healthy, that they would have they would have easily won that Super Bowl. Okay, well, that's that's a nice little uh, nice little tidbit there. Beat down. Who are you going with next? 
Yeah, so after uh, scanning my roster, I'm not I'm not going BPA. I'm not perfettying this. I'm just going roster needs. <laughs> and, uh, I'm That's actually out, Pace's uh, model there, guy. I'm going to go out and, and get someone. I had mentioned my family had ties with the Bears. I'm going to go out and get Marty Booker. I actually sat next to his wife down at a game in Champaign because uh, my mom's ex-husband sold him his car. So we got tickets to the game because he was the car dealer guy. So that's how he he ran into a lot of Bears, Bulls players, all that stuff like that. But um, Marty Booker was one of the, you know, the Bears don't have a treasured history in receivers. And growing up, like, there's only a handful of receivers that really, like, you can remember. Like Marty Booker, Marcus Robinson, Curtis Conway, guys like that. And Marty Booker was just always resilient. He always had some crazy catches up his sleeve. And like I said, basically one of the only receivers that we had at that time. So, yeah, no, Marty Booker was the man. Um, definitely that catch and traffic possession type receiver that, um, that, that moved the change for us. You know, it's funny too. You say that because Marty Booker randomly, dude, my mom worked at a jewel Osco in Westchester, Illinois, like years back, man. And randomly she called me. She's like, there's a bears player here. Come get his autograph, whatever. So I have a Marty Booker autograph somewhere, but this man was just doing random ass Audio, autograph signings at grocery stores in the Chicago suburbs. So I hope is uh I hope he's doing all right right now. That's that's all I got to say about Marty Booker. Duke, we're on to you, my man. The you man. got two. Yeah. I love me some Marty Booker. I just wanted to make a point of that. First football number ever was number eighty six because of Marty Booker. But uh, but anyway, um, I want to move on, and I will. Since I don't have a number two receiver. And because he was basically a wide receiver in his own sense, I'm going to have to snag Matt Forte right away. And I'm actually going to say right now, I'm playing Matt Forte wide receiver because he is over. He is six foot one inches tall and he can catch the football. Okay. Just want to make a make a point of that for sure. I'm pretty sure he still holds the record for receptions by a running back. If I'm not mistaken, he's about to break the record by uh receptions by a wide receiver. He's about to be the greatest he needs wide to be- in history. <laughs> he needs to be in the he needs to be in the Hall of Fame too because if you look at the way Matt Forte plays or played he doesn't play anymore obviously there's my beat on mistake of the episode but it's how the modern running back plays right now all the running backs that are in the league right now are catching passes out of the backfield at least the successful ones in my opinion yeah the one the, the, Falk, man yeah the one thing that I think if if Matt Forte was essentially a complete three down back except for you know, he's not an ideal guy that you want lined up on on third and two for for a you know just a just an easy dive. Yeah, he can get it done. He can get it done, but that's not the guy you're ideally looking for. Otherwise, when it comes to first and second down, like and and even third down passing situations, that is the guy. He again essentially helped revolutionize that position. I'm not saying he was the first to do yeah, it, he but was definitely it's like Duke yeah. said, Marshall Falk was the first. So I, I apologize about that. Yeah. But the thing is too, is like with Forte and, and obviously we don't have ties to the hall of fame, but I, I pose this question. What more could Matt Forte have done to be considered a hall of famer? Well, that's the thing that bothers me. And I, I tweeted it from our bears on tap account. He didn't even get an all pro bout. Yeah. The guy, the guy had like no joke yard, yards from scrimmage. Scrimmage. He was averaging like sixteen, seventeen hundred a year, and never even got an All Pro nod. He only got two Pro Bowl nods. Like the fucking disrespect for Matt Forte is unbelievable. Um, but go ahead, we're gonna get to your second pick because we're we're starting to run pretty long here, Duke. 
All right. Yeah, that's fine. Um, well, I need a quarterback, and this is going to be controversial as hell because everyone loves Jim McMahon, but I'm going to take my boy Biscuit. Hell yes. I fucking love it. I would t- I'd take Biscuit over Jim McMahon any day of the week. Don't get me wrong. Love the punky QB. I think you put Mitch on that roster. I think they still win. Oh, yeah. That, that, that roster is – I mean, they were, they were going to win with Trent Dilfer if it really came down to it. Go ahead, Brandon. All right. So I need another cornerback, and I'm going to have probably uh, one of the meanest return teams, if not the meanest of the three. I'm going to go out and get Jerry Azuma. Uh, the guy who rocked the 23 before Devin Hester, one of the first people, uh, you know, kind of around that era where Dante Hall was returning kicks that kind of was making steam for returners to make it a position that you could really make a, a living off of in the NFL if you were good enough at. Uh, but Jerry Azuma was electric and and in my opinion, you know, he's still tied in with the organization. Someone that, you know, you can't, I like using this, but you can't necessarily tell the story of the early 2000s without telling Jerry Azuma. I won't say the whole Bears, but the early 2000s without mentioning Jerry Azuma. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Um, okay, so I am going to, I'm just going to keep building on defense. And I'm going to go back to back. I'm going to take Tim Jennings to kind of share up my cornerbacks. And then I'm also going to take Otis Wilson, who I'm surprised as well. Never had an all pro season. Kind of insane. We down. We're back to you, brother. Yeah. So the Don, uh, I'm going to follow in Duke's in Duke's footsteps. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get my guy, Jordan Howard, lunch pail guy. Just feed him. I already have, I already have Gail Sayers. But now we got the power back. Now we got the guy that we can put in on third and two, Lucas. Uh, and, and someone that, that I really, I honestly was not a fan of when they got rid of him right away. And, and now that we have Montgomery, uh, you know, that Band-Aid is put on and that fence is mended. But I at first was confused because I thought that, you know, Howard was someone that was productive in the offense. And, and similar to what Robert Quinn says, as a football player who's making millions of dollars, you're not going to tell a coach that you don't fit his scheme. You're going to figure it out. Yeah, and, and you know, we learned pretty quickly, as much as I love David Montgomery, it was not Jordan Howard that was the problem. It was Matt Nagy's scheme. Exactly. So we learned that very quickly because um, he went to Philly, and if he didn't get injured, the guy was going to easily have 1,000 yards again. Go ahead, Duke. You're, you got two in a row. All right, so I just want to shore up some parts of my defense. I'm going to snag Henry Melton, uh, definitely one of my uh, favorite obscure players, by the way. Um, I thought any time he was in a 4-3 system, he was one of the best defensive tackles out there. Um, And I think I want to go with... Martin Gramatica? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm, think he ever had uh, a role. Fucking one-bar face mask midget. <laughs> Um, I'm, I think I'm going to have to go with, uh, Dave Dewerson, uh, lock up my safeties. I like that. I like that a lot. Rest in peace, Mr. Dewerson. All right. Well, <clears throat> since I knew one of you Jagoffs would take, uh, Jim or would take Mitch Trubisky, I'm going Jim McMahon. I have Blanda, but like I stated, I think it was two episodes ago when we did the hall of fame episode. If you look at his ratio, he, uh, he was negative actually in his touchdown to interception. Jim McMahon, not necessarily the best quarterback in NFL history, but someone that I can work with. Okay. Who am I going with then? I got two in a row. Uh, there's a lot of poo left. And unfortunately, unfortunately, um, 
I have to take a, a guy who was drafted by the Packers, if I'm not mistaken, because in my opinion, he's probably one of the best guys left on the board. Josh Sitton, um, who came to the Bears for two years after he left the Packers. Um, and I think he got a Pro Bowl both those years, if not definitely one of them. Um, and then next, I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna hit the O-line again. I'm going to go with my guy, Cody Whitehair, um, someone that extremely versatile and could play realistically any position on the offensive line. He is kind of our, our, um, currently our, what do you call that backup tackle? If we need a left tackle, like he's going to be the guy that gets slotted in. So he he's, he's a utility guy, definitely lunch pail kind of guy. He got himself paid and I think he deserves every penny of it. So I like my Josh Sen and Cody white hair back to back picks. One thing I, I know I'm running into with an issue is, which I'm okay with. I got, I'm stacked. I mean, I can get injuries on the offensive and defensive line and I'll be good, but I definitely got to fill in some skill positions pretty soon. Cause I don't even think I have one receiver yet, but that's, that's what happens when you go BPA. I might have to make a trade. Yeah. So, so I noticed, uh, I noticed that little Josh sitting shot. I just want to point out that the last time sitting was on Mac, he was wearing a bears t-shirt. Oh, okay. About a month and, or two ago. And, and that's AJ Hawk's show too. Maxie and Hawk. So shots fired. Yeah, sitting sitting knows where he got treated, right? Fuck the Packers, dude. Yeah, yeah. fuck the Packers is right. Yeah. Lo- loser franchise. But um yeah, I'm I'm kinda I'm gonna kinda mirror with, with what Lucas is doing and I'm gonna go get the big man Ruben Brown uh for some death on the offensive line. Oh shoot, I thought you were gonna go ahead and take um take Cody or uh, Charles Leno with that, with that type of attitude. He's missed. He's Mr. Irrelevant today. Uh, you don't have to be there on the bush. Yeah. Don't let his what? Don't let his wife find that sound. Bite. She will come after Twitter. you on Twitter. <laughs> I'll have to fucking start from the beginning. I'll, I'll be a Twitter egg by tomorrow. I'll, I'm not even, even going to touch it. I'll tell you guys off the record, but I actually knew Jen before she ever dated Charles. I know a lot about that girl. Wow. Hey, well, I just, I, no, I don't have anything wrong. I don't have anything. I don't have, I don't have anything wrong with her, but like, I just feel like, you know, a player's wife should somewhat not be saying some of those things all the time. Like she's, she's, yeah, no, she's on it, bro. She's, yeah. Which is in a different, if you work at a different job, like that's fine. But like when you're in the national spotlight, like it's, I, I'm sure Charles is going home like, come on, babe. Like, why <laughs> Why did you say that shit? You're not making it any easier. <laughs> it's like when you're, when you're out to eat with your girl and your food's a little wrong. And, and she's like, she's flagging the waiter or the waitress back over. You're like, it's fine. You're like, dude, fine, I'll eat it. I don't yeah. mind onions that much. I swear. I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Cold food and fucking spit. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know what happens when they send it back. So keep it <laughs> yeah. here. I've worked in restaurants long enough to know don't send anything back. Yeah. yeah. Side note, I am retiring from the restaurant industry and in full search of a job in the media world at the moment. Good for so. you, bro. Well, you're you're always welcome with us. Don't leave us now. Uh, um, yeah, I'm not necessarily expecting uh, to be on like TV. It'll probably be more like production side or behind the scenes at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm just a, a Twitter egg with 147 followers. But, you know, through through brick by brick, all of us, we all have that same mindset. So I, I think mean, we'll get there. You're not TV ready until you get that fucking tooth fix. So what's the update on that? That's what I told the dentist. Uh, I told the dentist that, like, in the original process when they're like, yeah, we're going to have to yank it. I'm like, buddy, I'm trying to be on TV. Like, I can't have no missing teeth. But uh, I am seven days out from the 
very important temperature taking at the dentist's office. I've already, you know, I'm going to take a cold shower before I go. I'm going to make sure that they are outside waiting to take my temperature upon arrival so that I am not sitting in my car just boxing in heat on like a 90-degree day, falsifying my temperature reading, thus leaving a half tooth in my mouth. Yeah, put a couple uh, put a couple ice cubes in your butthole, too. It'll probably help you out. <laughs> I'm at the point where I'm almost just like, I, I want to just get my money back, get some pliers, and have you do it. I have no problem doing it, and I'll film it, dude. That, that'd be great content. We're Absolutely. On, we're on to Duke with two in a row. So, I think, shit, dude, I really wanted Ruben Brown. Um, you know what? I'm going to move Stan Jones inside to right guard. I'm going to move Kyle Long to tight end, and I'm going to start James Williams at right tackle. That's what I'm going to take with this next pick. Because I have my, I have most of my defense short up. I have no tight ends on the board, and I have no one to slot a tight end. And I always thought it'd be interesting to see Kyle Long lined up a tight end for a player or two in his career. I think he's athletic enough to pull it off if he can actually stay together in one piece. I mean, don't forget, you can always get, like, Trey Burton or Adam Shaheen next week. I mean, uh, gonna... yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out. I didn't know we were doing that. Yeah, we're doing just straight up, like, next week's just straight up free-for-all. Like, just straight up pick who you want, who's ever played for the Bears. We got to fill out this 53. All right, well, fuck. Uh, I mean, you got another pick anyway. Uh, I'll scratch all that. I didn't even know that shit. Um, I mean, injuries happen, dude. I I have literally, if I'm not mistaken, I have two right guards, two centers, two tackles, like, four tackles. Like, I'm I'm stacked. I'm ready to go. We could run wishbone at this point. I guess I guess I'll uh, I'll snag uh, I guess for some depth I guess I'll take uh, Donnell Wolford at uh, for a cornerback and um, screw it I'll take Allen Ellis at, for a cornerback as well I guess we're going for depth at this point because so you're not you're not taking James Williams then no I I just I don't need him man I already got Bill George as like my backup like offensive lineman and he's already playing on the defensive line too so you said donald woodford and who else donald wolford and alan ellis the guy all the way at the top yeah 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 he was in 1977 that's an old school man he was actually a pro bowler a ton of time so yeah i'm happy with it it means we got a lot of physicality at the cornerback position definitely want cornerbacks that can come up and tackle um uh, beat on it's on you my man all right guys well just in case charles leno's wife is listening to this episode i'm just gonna go out and select him just so we can get her back on our side low ingratiating statement charles leno welcome to the chicago bears to the beat on 300 bears on tap official fantasy draft team they're actually titled the beat on i'm on a pia's after this so i mean <laughs> now I'm going to go ahead and take a guy who was actually kind of overshadowed a lot, um, and that's Neil Anderson. He came, you know, it's it's hard to follow up the GOAT. It's hard to follow up the GOAT, but he did have some very productive seasons. As soon as Walter left, he took over, and he was actually a really quality running back for a long time. So um, Neil Anderson's going on the squad, and then I'm also going to take Mark Carrier. Um, he's a free safety Played in, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Also a really solid player. Uh, and now I got myself a free safety finally because I have about 13 strong safeties and none that play free. Beat on, you're up again, buddy. Uh, yeah, so 
just like a typical draft, as you get into the later rounds, you can never go wrong with an offensive lineman. And since Duke put him back into the draft pool, I feel, you know, his value has gone down, but I'm still going to go ahead and take him because it's a couple of rounds later. I'm going to go get James Williams. All right. You got two in a row there, my man. Oh, I do. Oh, shit. No, okay. not you. Duke. Oh, Duke. You're, okay. you're, yeah, you're irrelevant. Do, at this do point. we even have like two players left? We got three left. You got Todd Bell, Mark Bortz, and Sean Gale. I thought Sean Gale just. Oh, Mark Carrier just went. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll I'll snag uh I'll snag Sean Gale and Mark Bortz then. Sounds good. And now your consolation prize, B Don, is. Wow, this actually worked out really perfect for me. I haven't had a first pick yet. I've always been either the third or I think I got second pick once. Um. Now I finally get to start off at first pick overall and. Guess who never had a Pro Bowl season for the Chicago Bears, but it's possibly oh. their best wide receiver of all time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You guys already know where the fuck I'm going with my first pick. Yeah, it's um, on. Jay Cutler. Yeah, exactly. Go on. I want my team to just hate each other, so I'm going to have Jay Cutler. See, uh, did you see in Jay Cutler news this week, though, that he might get a TV show? Yeah, I saw that, but I think realistic. Someone came up with a like an ideal Chicago – like NBC Sports Chicago booth or something like that, CBS yeah. booth, and it had Kyle Long, Jay Cutler, and um, Adam. That guy Adam Abel. Uh, I can't think of his Adam last Amin. Name. Adam Amin. Amin. Yeah, Amin. The Bulls, yeah, the Bulls' new broadcaster. But real quick for the listeners, I my last danger out of my head right now. Dude. Stop! You gotta get your mind out the gutter. <laughs> Those that aren't in our Bears, our Bears on tap Slack chat, but. Um, Todd Bell is my last pick for the, for the listeners at the safety position. So yeah. now I have, I have now have three safeties. So, um, but the one thing, no, the one thing I want to say about that, whoever put that tweet out, I'm sorry. I, I can't, I can't remember who it was, but even as someone who doesn't love Jay Cutler as a player, I think he would be fantastic in the booth, dude. I think he would oh, be yeah. unbelievable in the booth. And I think that actual lineup would be fucking great. So um, but that's about it, man. That's we're done with our draft for the day. How are you guys feeling about it? Um, you know, we're going to close out in a second, but is there anything else that you guys want to get in before the end of the show? Yeah. Other than, other than, uh, the pressers that we covered earlier, uh, I did listen into the Buster screen presser and the Eddie Jackson presser. And I kind of talked about it earlier, uh, with the Eddie Jackson presser. And he, he even went out and said it, that he just said that no matter what is going on right now in the world, that the players have full privilege to say what, you know, they're allowed to speak their mind. They don't have to necessarily have a doctored or like procured statement. They're allowed to say what they want and the organization's going to stand behind them a hundred percent. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then Buster screen too. Um, obviously we all know that he played with uh, Tashawn Gibson out there in Cleveland. They're pretty close. Uh, he had nothing but great things to say about Gibson. So I'm excited to see where he fits in this defense. Yeah, he he did. He did talk about we highlighted the scrying one a little bit, I want to say, last week. But for Eddie Jackson, you know, that just kind of adds on to the long list of consistencies of how the Chicago Bears have, um, you know, accepted this what's going on right now and how they've kind of allowed their players to be who they are. Right. Like, be you get fired up about it. BU with conviction, all that bullshit. At the end yeah, of the day, like though, the, the cool version of BU, not like the one that we mock, like the actual BU version, you know? Exactly, though. But that's the one thing. It's like, it's funny because it, it seems like I, I feel like the other teams in the NFL should take note because even though 
they're not all saying the exact same thing and having a robotic statement. They all are aligned with the same point. And that's just because they had the freedom to speak the way they want to. So it's just like that right there, if in my opinion, makes these guys double down on the Chicago Bears because they're who knows what's going on in other organizations. Go ahead. Yeah, and Tariq said it the best in his press conference. He says, I want to be able to use my platform to affect other people's lives. And as an athlete and someone in that position, you can't ask for anything more. Especially someone like Tariq, right, who's so connected with the youth, who plays. plays he plays. He's played video games with before. random fans. Yeah, he yeah, plays he video played games with Ethan fans. before. So he's definitely, he's definitely someone that does reach a very large audience because of his interest and stuff like that. Um, so no matter how you feel about Tariq Cohen and maybe his, his – um, his love for heading towards the sidelines. It, it doesn't fucking matter because he's a good dude and he can play. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah. yeah and if you don't like Tariq Cohen, just rewind about 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Duke, any closing thoughts for you, my man? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll just get a subtle plug here. Uh, me and me and Buzz have been uh, doing some left turns lately. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, that pod guy, Duke. I've been watching a lot of fucking NASCAR lately. I know that might turn a lot of people off, but I think NASCAR has really uh, kind of stepped up in a in a landscape where we're not getting a lot of live sports right now. I think uh, I think it's really competitive stuff. I think it's really fun. Um, Kyle Long, I want to race you and I racing. I'm going to continue to call you out until you actually do it because uh, you and you and your fan fandom of Kyle Busch is embarrassing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, me and Buzz are going to start getting into the streaming game more. So uh, anyone that knows me or Buzz, try to kind of keep an eye on that in the uh, Twitter sphere. And any of the other on tap guys you want to take an L, don't uh, don't hesitate to reach out. I will get I will get on Ethan's PS4 as soon as possible. But I know you're a Chase Elliott guy. I myself am a Denny Hamlin guy. Lucas, I don't know if you watch NASCAR, but I'm going to put the pressure on you right now. Who Who is your driver? <laughs> Dog. Let me tell you something about myself, okay? <laughs> I am astounded with how many motherfucking people came out and are now NASCAR fucking. Hey, I've been, I've been to races though. I've been to Daytona. I've been to Chicago Land. I've done all that, bro. I, I literally, I, I grew yeah, up on dude. fucking NASCAR, man. That's fine. I, okay, I was, yeah, you guys yeah. have valid excuses, like, and so does the rest of fucking Twitter. That I never... did a, I did a laugh at Daytona, bro. Like I'm yeah. in this. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say, dude. Listen, a lot of people die. Like, or a lot of people are like, oh, I have baseball to look forward to, or, oh, like basketball playoffs, or, oh, and I don't give a fuck about any of that stuff. I literally die when the football season dies. So for me oh, right yeah. now, I'm in the exact same form I would have been if baseball was in full. Like, the only thing that would have been different is I would have been, been betting random plus one and a half or minus one and a half <laughs> games. That's the only thing but that would have changed, though, but like, I wouldn't have watched the, the lick of it. But I'm saying like the you're sounding like a real every... Kyle Bush fan right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah, okay, yeah, dude. That's what it sounds like. He's a Kyle Bush guy. But the thing is, is like just as a sports fan, just not having like any sports. Like I, I've been watching a lot of MMA too, and I was like, I literally, I went to one fight right before the quarantine started. I was about to have the opportunity to do a lot of like the local scenes, doing photography and videography for them. That all got taken away because of the quarantine and the coronavirus. But MMA has been doing everything right. And, and to what Duke said, um, NASCAR is making big strides. They ban the Confederate flag. They've been doing great things in, as far as, you know, making progress in, in social injustices. So 
I yeah. definitely like what they're doing. And you think too, like the roots of NASCAR, that's all like, that's a lot harder to unpack than the NFL. That's all oh, yeah. Caucasian. That's all you know what I mean? Like the South, yeah. in the South, like, you know, Confederate flag has kind of been, uh, like kind of bred into their, their culture. That's part of their culture. Yeah. Well, well, I, think, to, I think you'd be a little bit, I think you'd be surprised at how inclusive NAS, the NASCAR fans really are though. I'm not going to sit here and defend anyone who defends the Confederate flag. I'm not going to play that game oh, at all. Yeah, that's not, fucking yeah. stupid. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But they I think four years. I think there's a lot of fans out there, me included, who thought it was just a common sense thing when they announced it. And I think, like I said, I think, I think if you go were to go to a NASCAR race, the fans would be a lot more inclusive than people would make it out to believe. Yeah. Alvin I mean, Kamara was out there this week too. Yeah, Southern hospitality is a real fucking thing. We can't just – this is not a time to just be throwing, like, labels on everybody because they're from a certain place. We're we're trying to strive away from that, right? Exactly, yeah. So so at the end of the day, they did the right thing by banning it. They had that one jerk-off that was like, I'm not going to drive anymore, and everyone was just like, okay, (laughs) everyone gives a fuck. Like, you know, so – He had zero top ten, zero wins. He was, like, 50. Uh, Yeah, he he, he was a fucking clown. Go buy a 24 case and go fucking get your house burned down for all we care. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day. One more topic on the sports world. I know Duke probably won't care and you won't care because you're not a Cubs fan. But that was just an absolute shit show on Sunday night. That was the worst documentary I've seen in years. And I I wrote about it. I wrote about it for you guys. I know you did. And I don't really touch ever on baseball. But as someone who's studied film, someone who is like the biggest Sammy Sosa stand in the world, I felt robbed. They gave us like two, like literally an hour of Mark McGuire, probably 20 minutes to the fucking ball boy who caught the ball. And then like a bunch of various, <laughs> like it was just like a, a circle jerk of all like the St. Louis dispatch and like Bob Costas and all these like old writers. And it was just a bunch of dingers. Like there was no like yeah. dialogue. They didn't deep dive in on anything. And like after and a lot of people are saying don't compare it to The Last Dance because that was like, you know, it's a 10-part documentary. It's a lot different. I just feel like... And it's riding they, a team from Chicago's nuts yeah, the whole time. But this is the opposite. I just, I just feel like they left so many stones unturned. And I'll give the, the director a little bit of slack because they were asked to expedite it in a quicker process. But God damn, I was a little disappointed. Here's my thing with it, okay? Because I have yet to see if I know I said every 30 for 30 hits, and you were like, check your timeline because Bedon was upset about it. So I should have acknowledged Bedon's fucking feelings like they matter. But realistically, my my thing was, okay, I thought, yes, I would have liked to see more Sammy because Sammy was that breath of fresh air throughout the entire documentary, right? Mark McGuire. But I think that's kind of what they were going for. And if that is what they were going for, they did it really effectively because you had Mark McGuire and like the whole thing was about, is it really hitting 60 some home runs or is it about the pressure that comes with the record, right? Like the questions that keep happening. And I thought they conveyed that really well because the whole time it was like, I was kind of anxious watching Mark McGuire. And then they talked about Sammy Sosa being like, not taking it as seriously and just having a good old time and stuff like that. At the end of the day too, Sammy Sosa never tested positive for steroids and there's no reason he shouldn't be let back into Wrigley. Let's just, let's just fucking put that on the side. No, thank um, you. Thank you. I mean, the guy, if the you look at his why stats, I wear 21 too, if you listen last week. Yeah. Yeah. And Duke's holding up. Hey, you know, Frank Thomas. Frank hey, Thomas is my favorite Sox player. I'll give you that though. You, Frank you, Thomas. You gotta I, give respect I, to Frank Thomas. I grew up, I grew up with real heroes. 
You're a jag off. On that <laughs> note, we are Bears on Tap, and this is... <laughs> we are Bears Fuck on you, Tap. Dude. I'm yeah, I, I, I just go. I just go out. Yeah, Frank Thomas, my favorite... My favorite Sox player, and he just dogs Sosa. We had an awesome time with you guys. If you'd like any Chicago sports content, go to ontapsportsnet.com or follow us at ontapsportsnet. And you can also follow our Bears page at Bears on Tap. Um, if you guys are listening on Apple, too, one thing that I've kind of slacked on promoting, but definitely if you could give us a rating, review, you know, if you want to DM any of us and tell us how maybe, you know, you thought, uh, uh, something in the show you didn't like or something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely, we're willing to take critiques and stuff like that. Give us a DM if you'd like to. Um, but thank you guys very much and bear down. Bear down. Down. The NFC North 2018 Division Champions. Bear down.